0: How many would agree that the world is in great shape and there are not any problems that we might even be living in the millennium right now? Could I see your hand? Now these are pretty trying times, aren't they, that we're living in. And there's so many things that are exploding all around us. Some of you were here when I spoke, I guess it's been about a month ago, three weeks ago now, and I talked about us being in a revelation generation. Now I'm not here saying this is the uh, end of days, but it sure might be. And we're living in times that relate to biblical prophecy. And we're right in the teeth of that today. And it seems like every, every week there's something new breaking in the news that reminds us of that, of that sort of a thing. And um, there's a, a metaphor I want to use uh, today. And uh, it's the it's metaphor of uh, an aircraft carrier. Could we go to that slide, please? There we go. And I chose this picture uh, of an aircraft carrier because it's in stormy seas. It's got the flotilla around about it. It's in times of turbulence. But it's that aircraft carrier that is, uh, it is the floating military base that in. Imp- Exports our arsenal around around the world. On um, who here knows what happened on December seventh, nineteen forty-one? What was that? Pearl Harbor. The Japanese were looking for a way to take out the United States. Admiral Yamamoto, who was the uh, head of the entire, he was the chief naval officer of Japan, who ironically had been educated in the United States and understood America well. He was the commander-in-chief of the Japanese naval, uh, Navy. And he argued against the attack on Pearl Harbor. Because he said, if you don't take out... The United States Navy immediately, I'm afraid that all you will be doing is is awakening a sleeping giant. And you know, as providence would have it, or the will of God, the heart and soul of that flotilla was not in Pearl Harbor when the attack took place. The Lexington, the Saratoga, and the Enterprise, the three aircraft carriers, were out at sea. And that might be what enabled the United States to gather its forces and retaliate, because those aircraft carriers were such citadels and so powerful that they, could, they, they were just floating arsenals, is what they were. And that battle in the battle for the Pacific could not have been won had it not been for the aircraft carriers. Japan had only one, and it got sunk. Just a little um, information about aircraft carriers that might give us some solace when we feel like we're under siege as a nation today. And this is coming to a point, so I'm not wandering too far off the reef here. There are 22 active aircraft carriers presently commissioned in the world today. The United States has 11 of them. I think France has four, the UK has two, China has one or two, Russia has only one. These aircraft carriers are amazing engineering marvels. Let me tell you a little bit about the USS Nimitz that is being supplanted this year by the USS Gerald Ford, that is even larger than the Nimitz. But the Nimitz, as well as the Ford that's not yet commissioned, uh, is over 1,000 feet long, over 200 feet wide. It has enough fuel. Now, Somebody might want to Google this. I saw it, and it's unbelievable, to stay at sea for over 20 years. The Nimitz had 90 airplanes on the decks plus helicopters that were there. It's an amazing amazing craft that is there. It is a floating citadel. The Nimitz has over 5,000 crew members. Has so many that the Nimitz has its own zip code. We have 11 of those puppies, and another one coming online this year that's bigger than even the Nimitz. It's the USS Gerald Ford, and I had to do a double take on this too. The final cost of the USS Gerald Ford is $13.3 billion. Those aircraft carriers are amazing. But I want us to think this morning about the church as God's aircraft carrier. Now, I'm not just thinking about New Hope Overton, but I'm thinking about the church universal. But we're part of it right here as we gather for worship today. In fact, I've given a name to this aircraft carrier of the church. It's the PE Global Enterprise. The PE stands for Planet Earth Global Enterprise. There is not a force like the Church of Jesus Christ in this world. There are moments when it seems like we're beaten down. But think of how many great world empires have risen and fallen. But the PE Global Enterprise sails on. Yeah. I remember this was years ago when I was in seminary back on the East Coast, and uh, it was a prominent seminary that was there in graduate school. And um, this was in the year 1977, and there was a delegation of Russian churchmen that came to our institution where I was where I was studying. And they were having, they, for somehow they'd gotten out of Russia and they were able to come as a tour of Russian churchmen to the United States. And so there was the press that was there, uh, press members from the New York Times, Washington Post, all, Wall Street Journal, all the major newspapers. And the theological student body, the seminary, we were invited to be hosts there, our guests there. And there was hundreds of us that were there. And... There was a Q&A time when these reporters were asking these Russian churchmen questions. And one of the most stately of them all, he looked like he had stepped out of a page of the Old Testament, was one of the leading clergymen in the Russian Orthodox Church. And one of the members of the press stood up and asked the question, I forget what his title was. We'll just call him the Patriarch. Patriarch, tell me, what is the future of the church in Russia? And he was sitting back towards the back, and he just slowly drew himself to his feet. Long gray hair, long beard, the robes and the hat. And he just stepped to the podium very slowly, but it was like, This is an Old Testament figure that's stepping up to the podium right now. And he said, The church in Russia has seen the Vikings come and the Vikings go. The church in Russia has seen the Mongols come and the Mongols go. The church in Russia has seen the Tsars come And the czars go. The church in Russia. Has seen the communists come. And it will see the communists go. But the church in Russia. Will stand forever. And it was like there was a hush. Like we have heard from God. And it was just a few years later. Where they were bringing down. The statues of Stalin and Lenin. And they were reopening. The basilica's in Moscow to once again be Orthodox Houses of Worship. And so the church is God's aircraft carrier. And there's just six things I want to say about this today. And think aircraft carrier, think of the church, and think of ourselves as a crew member on the P.E. global enterprise that we are citizens of. The first of these is that the church is a bulwark Against the enemies. Now, first of all, wait, I get myself out of sync here. There's a passage of scripture I want us to read first. Here it is. He's got it there. This is what Jesus said to the Apostle Peter about the church. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And that church here, here's here's a spin on another Old Testament prophecy. Some of you, uh, how many are familiar with the book of Daniel? Well, one or two of you. How many know this the the image of the of the dream that the king had of the great statue with the head of gold and the breastplate of silver and the midsection of bronze and the legs and feet of iron. And then there is that stone that is cut without human hands that comes hurtling in and brings the kingdoms of this earth to the ground. You know what I'm talking about, that prophecy? I don't think that is just a prophecy to the second coming of Christ. I think that is a prophecy concerning the first coming of Christ. Ever since Christ came, the kingdom of God has been born and it thrives and it grows. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, but the church of Jesus Christ just stands forever. And we have moments where it looks like we're outnumbered or outgunned. But where are they now? Where are the emperors of the pagan Roman Empire? Where is Genghis Khan and the Mongols? Where is Attila the Hun? Where is Adolf Hitler? Where is the Soviet Union of the past? They rise and they fall, but the church stands forever. Now, so we're talking about the church. But the first thing I want to say is that the church is a bulwark against the enemy. Let's see if I'm in sync with myself. But here we go. I'm back on track. Here's the passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert and sober of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. I'm telling you at the root of what ails us as individuals, of what ails us as a nation, and what ails us as a world is ultimately spiritual evil in high places that is working to undo what God is wanting to build up in our hearts, in our lives, in our community, in our nation, in our world. And it takes a bulwark in that flotilla around uh, that flotilla around the aircraft carrier are the destroyers and the battleships and all of the other parts of that naval flotilla that are um, ensconced around, or the, the, the aircraft carriers ensconced right there in the center of it. Those are the battle stations that wage war against the evil one and evil kingdoms. And think of the church in that way. It's a bulwark. It speaks to every dimension of our life. And from it comes God's truth that speaks life and light into all of these fallen people and institutions and kingdoms of the world. They will fall because lies cannot stand forever. But the truth of God can. And so the church is a bulwark. It's a citadel. When I use the term bulwark, think of something that is strong and diverse and powerful. One of my favorite old-time hymns, I like the anthems of the Christian church, Martin Luther penned the words, To a mighty fortress is our God. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. And think of the church of Jesus Christ. It's a bulwark. Now this is using big numbers, and I don't know if all of these people are actually making it into heaven or not, but as a profession of faith, there are about 2.4 to 2.5 billion souls on this earth now that would say, Jesus is Lord. There's not another institution or bulwark that has that kind of diversity and cuts across ethnic and geographical and, and uh, social uh, divisions like the Church of Jesus Christ. There's nothing as diverse as it is. It's a mighty bulwark, and we are part of it. So the first thing in this metaphor that I'm using this morning, as the Church, as an aircraft carrier, is it is a mighty Bulwark against our enemies, whether that be Satan or whether it be an satanic inspired powers and authorities that are around us, they too will fall. But the truth of God will stand forever, and the kingdom of God will stand forever. The next thing is that the church is a hospital. It is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. You've read that verse before in Matthew chapter chapter 9. And I promise you, because I do have a feeling that as a people, we're going through turbulent waters right now, and I don't see safe harbor ahead yet. And things are going to be tough, maybe in your lives individually, maybe for us as a people. We don't know what's around the corner. And in this kind of a climate, I promise you, you might be here today, I don't know. There are people that will be dropping in to New Hope Church here in Overton because they have great curiosity if the church, and, and believe me, we're not believing in the church, but the church is the institution by, established by God through which he works, looking for answers. And don't expect them to come in as polished saints. Don't expect them to come in with their theology all in order or their life all in order. I think my favorite evangelist of all time was Billy Graham. And I like the invitation song at his crusades. Just as I am, I come, I come. So somebody comes in they don't look like they quite are eligible yet. Yes, they are, because the church is a hospital. One of my favorite church members of all time was when I pastored, uh, in the first church I pastored, we built a new one later on, the first one it was there uh, in, in Las Vegas, Calvary Community Church. And Eddie Mode who I had noticed, it wasn't a large congregation, at least not at the time it wasn't, and Eddie Mode wanted to make an appointment to come and talk with me. And Eddie came into my office and he said, You know, Pastor, I'm 65 years old now, and um, let me tell you my story. Back in the 60s or 70s, I don't know when it was, he had a sports bar That he operated in Cocoa Beach, Florida. This was back in the days when many of the Major League Baseball teams had their spring training camps in Florida. And he got to know a lot of the big stars, Hank, Aaron, Willie Mays, a lot of them would come into this sports bar that Eddie Mode had. Eddie had, and this was before tattoos were that popular, but he had a lady in a bikini that was still tattooed. You know, by the way, if you're thinking about getting a tattoo, think about what they're going to look like when you're 65, Um, because that tattoo was sagging in all the wrong places, too. But he couldn't get rid of it at that time. And um, Eddie told me about his story there. He said, you know, I was kind of wild. My nickname was Fast Eddie. But he eventually sold that sports bar... Uh, that uh, uh, that yeah in uh, in Florida and he moved to Las Vegas as an odds maker. He was a bookie, and at least in those days in the assemblies of God, that was kind of a questionable occupation for you to have. And he said, you know, Pastor, he said, I'm 65 years old, and if I could do something else, I would. He said, I make more money than any ten men. Problem is, uh, I, I make I spend more than those ten men too. But he said, I can make a lot of money. But he said, it's too late to start over in life. Do you think it would be okay with the Lord if I just continued being a bookie and served the Lord? And I said, Eddie, that's completely between you and the Lord. And um, incidentally, when we built our new church a few years later, it was Eddie who requested to be the first one that was baptized in that church. And he was. And he reminded me of that a few years later. But Eddie became, I just think, my favorite church member. He still made ten, more than he ten, ten men that he knew. But now he spent it not on himself, but on an orphanage in Nicaragua. And he became Santa to those orphans that were there. And I remember every Christmas he would come up, and I don't know if he had a credit card or not, but he sure had a big wad of cash. And he'd say, Pastor, is there anybody in the church, any family that doesn't have the money to have a Merry Christmas? And he would just start peeling off $100 bills and handing it to me and say, you just make sure that they have gifts for their children and everything they need to celebrate Christmas. That's just the way Eddie was. And he, he learned to live by faith because he would spend all this money he made giving it to people and ministries and this sort of thing. But the Lord would perform miracles for him. He said one time, he said, I just wrote a check out for $400 and I thought, I don't have that money in the bank. He went to his post office box, opened it up, and there was an old account with a check for $400. $400. To meet the promise that he had made. Eddie Mode was not a, cu- a cookie-cutter Pentecostal Christian, but I'm telling you, he was a great saint of God. This is a hospital. You're not looking for a finished product. If that's what you're looking for, you're more Pharisee than Christian. Okay. But you're looking for people that are coming that need the help that God brings into their life. So the church is a hospital. And as people come, and they will. There might be some of you watching online right now. I understand the service is live streamed or broadcast in some way. And that might be you. Welcome aboard (laughs) the church. Because this is a place where people are going to accept you and God will transform you through the Holy Spirit in His way and in His time. Let's go to the next slide now. The church is something, oh no, this is, a, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I think this is a good slogan and you've heard it before on the, on the, um, on the inscription at the base of the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. I think that would be a great uh, inscription to have over the door of New Hope and Overton. See who the Lord would bring in. I'm telling you, God will bring them your way. If you're willing to be a part of that aircraft carrier, the PE Global Enterprise, because God has a mission right here for you in this church. Now let's go to the next slide. The church is life-sustaining. Jesus said, feed my sheep. There are a lot of things about all the sources of inspiration, inspiration, and uh, information and direction that we can glean from today. But a lot of it is just based on lies. But it's through the church and the collective message of the church, as we interpret scripture together, that we hear what God is saying to us in our life. It's here that our conscience is pricked as the Holy Spirit speaks to us about areas of our life that we need to bring more into conformity with who God wants us to be. It's through the Word, and it's through the witness of the church. As we open our hearts and minds, and you know one of the wonderful things about worship, even if it's canned music like here today, Can't the Holy Spirit speak through those songs and speak into your life, and give you, I'm going to call it, redemption lift. It lifts you up, it sustains you, gives you direction. Maybe you're wondering, what should I be doing with my life? But it's here, in the church, as God speaks that you find direction and inspiration and purpose. A member of a church I had years ago, he actually was from Las Vegas. Cherie remembers him, I know. Maybe Sandra knows Robert Douglas. I know your dad knew him Well, I was pastoring in in Aptos and uh, Robert Douglas was a black belt in karate and he thought he was one of God's hot shots and he'd been sent to Bethany uh, College in those days to study for the ministry. And he came to the church I was pastoring and he wanted to know if there was something he could do. Well, it happened that we just had all of our posts of ministry filled and the only thing I had for Robert to do was to be my janitor. And he would get paid for it a little bit. But he thought that was so beneath him. He didn't tell me this until much later. He said, Pastor Stan, I just have to tell you how I just seethed when I thought of you as I was in there cleaning the toilets in the the urinals in the church. Didn't didn't I realize that he was one of God's choice servants and God had something far more impressive for him to do? He said, and then the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. and, And he said, I realized that I had the privilege to clean the toilets of the saints of God. What an honor and what a blessing. And I thank God for that position I had of serving the family of God. Now, Robert got it straight, didn't he? Whether it's folding bulletins or running the PowerPoints, thank you very much back there, or... Whatever it is you might do, it is something important that you are doing for the kingdom of God. And God is li- and the word of God is life-sustaining for us. And what is it that God is asking you to do as a sailor on this aircraft carrier? What is the purpose that he has for you? Let's go to the next slide then right now. After life sustaining, the church is a community. On an aircraft carrier, there's plumbers, there's electricians, there's even carpenters, there's nurses, there's doctors, there's cooks, um, there's maids, there's uh, a navigator, there's people that run the gunning stations that are there, there are pilots, on and on it goes. But they all have an important role if that aircraft carrier is going to be the citadel that it's intended to be. Now that's the way it is with the church too. We're the body of Christ. Look at this verse of Scripture. For from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, just in rapid fire, I'm going to tell you some things that are happening right now as God is gearing up his church. I know in some ways this looks like hard times and depressing times, but I'm telling you, the carrier we are a part of is changing course and setting its target on the enemy. And we're part of that. Some of you that were here before, do you remember me telling you the story of my daughter-in-law, Mandy, who is on the library board in Gillette, Wyoming? Any of you remember when I told that? Okay. So if, all, what I'm going to just, not all of you were here. She just joined the library board in the city of Gillette, Wyoming. And to her horror, she was the only person that was a Christian on that board. And they, they even though they were supposed to, um, they didn't open their meetings in prayer. They didn't do the pledge of allegiance. They didn't do any of those things. Long story short, because of Mandy's witness, I'm telling you, every meeting now opens with the pledge of allegiance and opens with a word of prayer. Mandy got so discouraged in all of that because she was the she was the voice in the wilderness, and the thing she was particularly concerned about was the. Uh, sexually graphic material that was available for young children to read just as they're going through the library. It wasn't in any, removed in anything, in any way from what they had access to. Well, I'm here to tell you today that that has all been moved to a separate part of the library in the school system there. And there were five, including Mandy, there were five people on that school board. And another part of that story is she and my son, who is her husband, uh, they were part of a Bible study group that started out with 20, has grown to over 70 now, and five members of that Bible study group are now wanting to serve on on the school board. And it turns out, since I talked to you, I was here last time, three members of that board, the most difficult of them all, are resigning from the board. And the commissioner of the school is a man of faith. And those five people that are part of that Bible study group are putting their names in for those positions that are now open on that school board. And if they are appointed, and they're in prayer that they will be, now Christian people are going to occupy Four out of the five positions on that school board. Well, she's recognized her part in the body of Christ. I thought that was a particularly adept illustration for you. In a little community, wondering what difference can we make. You can make a great difference. If you realize there's a part in the body for you. I have a friend in Las Vegas, probably this coming week, I probably will have coffee with him again. He's a prominent attorney there. He's very dedicated to the Lord, and he has started interjecting principles of his Christian faith in the courtroom when he is arguing cases. He, he, not in a super spiritual way, but in a way that's very definite. And it's kind of jarring in some of the courts. This guy, just so you'll know, last year, he made $14 million in his practice. He's a pretty prominent attorney that's there. And he's looking for a way to make his faith make a difference in the legal system right there in Las Vegas. So there's different ways that things can happen as we realize that we are part of a community and we find that area where we can work and what we can do. Something else, I don't know what's coming of this. I had to make a quick one-day trip to Costa Mesa, California on Thursday with a friend of mine who's a pastor in Las Vegas. We were meeting with the chairman of the uh, Board of Trustees of Vanguard University And I happen to have some background in education and that sort of thing. And so uh, he wanted to meet with me for this reason. Do you realize that Las Vegas is a city of two plus million people right now and there's not a single Christian college or university in that area? And we were meeting to explore the prospects of starting a Christian college and university in Las Vegas, Nevada. Isn't that a great thing? I don't know what will come of it. What I'm, what I'm here to tell you, as we make ourselves available, God does things with us using the background, the gifts, and the talents that we have. And don't ever underestimate yourself or what God can do through you or through this church. The church is a community. And the church is a warrior. Next slide up. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, I love the fact that Jesus is the gentle shepherd. I love the fact that he is so slow to anger and long-suffering and accepting and compassionate but I'm telling you that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the aircraft carrier P.E. World Enterprise is a warrior also. And I believe we're coming into a time and place, an era right now, where the church needs to join the battle. I remember when I was a kid growing up in Sunday school, I, I can remember, uh, that would have been, oh, in the mid-50s, I don't know if of you can remember this or not, but in Sunday school we had our Sunday school songs. Uh, and here's, here's one of them, I'm too lo- young to march in the infantry, fly over Germany, shoot the artillery. What? What? Fly over Germany? That was right after World War II. That would be way politically incorrect today. Okay? But there was another song that we used to sing that became, even in our own churches, just sounded too militaristic, Onward Christian Soldiers. Okay? But think of how the warrior characteristic is a part of our Lord's life in ministry too. Here's, we'll test your biblical knowledge here for just a second. In the book of Revelation, in the 19th chapter, when Jesus is returning to earth, I'm going to give you three options here. Jesus is returning as A, gentle shepherd, B, the king of compassion, or three, the warrior king. Which one do you think it is? It's the warrior king, isn't it? And, and while love and, pay, and, and peace and hope and patience, that's our arsenal. I'm telling you, we need to take a stand against what is happening that is counter to the plan and the purpose and the will and the intentions of God in our world today. Am I the only one that thinks that part of what is wrong and going sideways in our culture today is our drifting away from the moral compass and the teachings of Scripture that have guided us as a people for over 200 years? I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to say what I was going to say because it sounds too militant. I'm just telling you, we've got to attack The lies. That doesn't mean we do it by jumping up and down and cussing and doing all that sort of thing. But where we are strong and we are firm and we are resolute in the truth that we stand for. I'm telling you, we live in a world right now where in the words of the Apostle Paul, think of the Dr. Highbrows and the Mr. and Mrs. Smarty Pants that are in our colleges and universities professing themselves to be wise, they have become fools. Since when is your gender optional and your physical genitalia just your biological markers? Does that sound smart to you? But when you give in to the father of lies, who is, when he lies, is speaking his native language, it's that kind of insanity that turns us sideways, and it's the aircraft carrier that we are part of that needs to be the voice of truth in our homes, in our communities, at the ballot box, wherever it is. The final thing I want to talk about this morning, the final point to mention, is that the church will lead you to safe harbor. I'm telling you, if the elite ruling class in our world today, if they have their way, we are not headed into safe harbor. We're hit headed into a shipwreck. One of my favorite places on the planet is Bandon, Oregon. We've got a home, Shri and I, that's near there. That It's kind of a vacation landing for us. And if you go to Bandon, it's in Coquille, which is nearby. If you go to Bandon, which is regarded as the second most dangerous bar on the west coast to cross, I think the only other one that is regarded as more dangerous is the one coming in the Columbia River. And they've had, over the years, because it's been active for well over a century, into the latter half of the 19th century, dozens if not hundreds of shipwrecks, of ships that have sunk. And on that south jetty, which is covered with giant rocks now, and I've seen it with my own eyes, I was told this at first, is the wreckage of one of the steel-hulled ships that sunk trying to cross that bar. And what the Army Corps of Engineers did was they took that ship and they lined it up as the base of that south jetty that goes out. And at low tide, you can look out there and you can still see that rusting hull of that sunken ship that was out there. And I'm telling you, if we build our lives, if we allow our country to build on other theories and options. We will shipwreck too. But it's that aircraft carrier that can be an instrument of war. It's also a great peacekeeper, isn't it? Peace through strength. And as we, as we respond to what that aircraft carrier the church maintains as the instrument through which the voice of the living God and the Holy Spirit speaks and gives illumination to Scripture and pricks our conscience. If we govern our lives in that manner, it will lead you to safe harbor not only in your life now. It will do that How many of you like where you are now since you've started following the teachings of God in your life much better? You're in a much better place than you were before you started following Christ. Can I see your hand? That's almost everybody except my wife raised her hand. No, no, she did. She finally got it up. She finally got it up. It's It's the church. And its message and our part in it that will lead us to safe harbour. Another phrase out of a mighty fortress is our God. In this world with devils filled, our battle would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Lord Saba oath his name from age to age, the same. Now, the church has to update its message from time to time. We have to update ourselves. We have to do that. I experience that in the tech age right now. I tell people, I'm not a dinosaur when it comes to technology, but I think I'm still a mastodon. I'm crawling along compared to... Somebody told me just the other day I was trying to figure something out. said, find a (laughs) 10-year-old. They can help you out. But we'll be led to safe harbor. Now, in my devotions, I close with this. This week, in Psalms 33, this just leapt out at me, and I'd like to leave it with you. Beginning in the 12th chapter, excuse me, the, the, the 12th verse of the 33rd chapter. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain ho- uh, a vain hope for deliverance. Despise all the great strength, but d- despite all its great strength, it cannot save. For the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield in rejoice for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest on us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Isn't that a great psalm? And I just want to leave that with you. Put your hope in the Lord. You might want to take that psalm and, and read it yourself. Because I think it speaks to who we are and where we are today. Could we stand? How many of you here, I don't need to know what it is at all, but the Holy Spirit has spoken to you some word here this morning. And you would like to offer your prayer and your surrender and your dedication to the Lord that you've heard and received what the Lord has spoken to you today. If that's you, I'm going to close in prayer. But this is just your sign to the Lord. I'd like you just to lift a hand or lift your hands to the Lord. The Holy Spirit's here. I'm just going to include you in what God is speaking into your life in this closing prayer. Is there anyone at all? You're here, and you want to? Yes, I see some. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, we come before you today. We thank you, Lord, that we are part of the body of Christ, part of the church. And Lord, I pray that you would speak into the hearts and lives of each of us here today. Lord, may we not be discouraged But may we be encouraged, Lord, knowing that you're up to something in our hearts, in our lives, in our community, in our world. There's a great return of Christ that is going to happen again. It may be the final return of Christ, the second coming of Christ that Scripture talks about. Or it may just be the renewing of your spirit in our midst and in our land. Speak to each of us, Lord. We pray that our hope and our faith would be strong, our joy would be in the Lord, and we would be confident and sensitive to what you're saying to each of us, to be a part of what you're doing in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our world. We pray for your blessing and your help upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to close with um, an old Irish blessing. If I can remember it right now. Let me see. It was the Holy Spirit, but it might have been the anchovies on the pizza I had last night. Um, May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warmly on you and may the rain fall gently on your fields and may the Lord bless and keep you until we meet again God bless you have a great day